Welcome to episode 17 of the Geek Therapy Podcast. Um, I want to welcome back Steve Kuniak, a licensed professional counselor in Pennsylvania. Welcome back, Steve. Hi, thanks for having me on, Hostway. All right, today we're going to talk about something that came up from, well, I got the idea from a Twitter interaction between you and I. Yes. And um, so the topic is E3, the Electronics Entertainment Expo. And um, the last time you were on the show, we talked about PAX East yes. and PAX. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, PAX is a video game centric um, um, convention created kind of in response to E3 to make something more consumer friendly, more for the fans. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's my understanding of it. My understanding is that uh, the, the two gentlemen from Penny Arcade, uh, Gabe and Tycho, are their uh, online personalities. Um, you know, years ago had had been going to E3 and thought that it would be great to take the experience that they had had at E3 and bring it to the consumers because it used to be that we couldn't uh, get into E3 if you weren't, uh, you know, a uh, within the industry in some way. And so um, now my understanding is that they um, they do sell tickets is what I've always uh, I've heard recently. But um, PAX has been existing, uh, you know, existing now for a few um for quite a few years, actually, um, and you're right in response to uh, E3. And and again, E3 is the biggest um, video game um, expo, biggest uh, conference, convention, show um, in the world, and that's where all the big video game companies come and show off essentially what they're going to be doing for the next year. Yeah, I, I always describe it as uh, E3 is that one week where I learn everything I'm going to spend my money on for the next year. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for me, it's a lot of fun. I actually always look forward to E3. I've never been to E3. It's always in California, mm -hmm. and I've never been there. But thankfully, now they they stream all of the conferences, and there's a lot of video. And um, Sony actually even recreates their show floor and you can access it through PlayStation and kind of walk through a virtual environment. So I've never been there, but it's still a lot of fun from home. That is very cool. Yeah, I, uh, it's one of the few things that I do not attend that I still bookmark in my calendar every year to make sure I set aside some time to see what's going on. So I can echo that. Um, and this year, this year was fantastic. This year, so they live streamed all of the conferences and... And it was it was an even bigger deal. I mean, for anybody who's just a tech geek in, in general, um, Apple had its Worldwide Developers Conference at the same exact time, um, the same few days. But their their um, press conference, the the initial opening conference, was at the same time as the Microsoft Xbox conference. So I was actually I had both of them streaming at the same time, one on my iPad, one on the TV. It was it was so great. I, I had a lot of fun that day. <laughs> you were in you were in complete overload, electronic overload. I, I, I was, but it was oh, it's so much fun. Anyway, so we we love this stuff. Um, like I said, I watched them all live this year. I don't know. Um, how did you get your news this year? Um, I did try to watch actually through um, my Xbox 360. They uh, they live stream there too. Um, now, similar, I'm sure to what what PlayStation offers. You kind of see one end of the spectrum. So I did start watching some videos online from other news groups, you know, through Kotaku and Revision 3, just to see um, kind of an, uh, an unbiased look at what else is going on in the convention other than just what was available on my Xbox. Um, but yeah, I, I tried to at least partially live stream every night to see what is out there, um, what's new. 
So, um, I saw everything through IGN, and I mean, just to, just um, so listeners can get an idea of how huge E3 is. Um, I don't I don't know how many other um, news news outlets do this, but IGN actually had a pre-show and a post-show, just like ESPN does for every for every game. Um, for all the big games, um, they do that. They did that for all the conferences this year. That's pretty crazy. I actually did not follow through IGN, but now maybe that's <laughs> something I need to look for next year. Uh, oh yeah, it was it was crazy because you know the anticipation of what what are they going to talk about before, and then afterwards you got these reactions from um, not only the people from IGN but people from the industry who were invited to talk as as expert guests also. So it was a lot of fun this year. I think it was the first year that it was so. Um, I don't know. It was the first year they had pre and post for everything, and the quality this year was just really good as far as streaming. Because over the years they they keep doing it, and every year it gets a little better. So I was able to watch them in high def live as they were happening, and it was again, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, um, you say high def live, and uh, on the Xbox they were actually allowing you to vote through your Xbox for what you wanted to see next. Content-wise, they were they were taking polls from the community, which I thought was pretty interesting to um, to see which trailer you wanted to see next, or to see which uh, interview you wanted to see next. Which was uh, that was a lot of fun too to make it uh, even more interactive than I think I've ever seen before. And it's something that I guess um, it, it it feeds to the audience, right? That's the type of thing that video games are interactive. So to make the whole experience interactive is just feeding into what we love. That's, yeah, that's absolutely that's pretty cool. So, so your experience was completely different from mine, um, yes. and and even though I saw them live, uh, all of them were were uploaded afterwards, so you could see all of them um, afterwards, and you can see them now. Um, after you listen to this, you can go and watch the full conferences afterwards. <clears throat> and actually, something that I want to mention while I was watching the Sony conference, um, this is just geek therapy related. We we received a pretty big honor. I mean, I, I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, do you know about the Geeky Awards? Have you heard about this? Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. I'm familiar. I remember you saying that you were uh, in the running. It's that yeah. So so I, yeah. So while I was watching the Sony conference, um, I was um, following Twitter at the same time, and I realized that they had announced the individual categories. And I'm very, very, very proud to say that um, Geek Therapy Podcast won the best comic book slash superhero category uh, podcast category. That's exciting. At the, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. So I'm very excited. Um, thank you to everybody who um, thought that it was, uh, you know, worthy of um, giving an award to a show by mental health professionals um, about geeky stuff. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's great news. Exciting. And this yeah. has been your first year in doing the show too. So I think that's that's pretty noteworthy. You know, you you've, yeah. you just started this really a year ago, so it's yeah. exciting. Yeah, very very. Okay, and now enough about us. Back to E three. Yes. Um, so, uh, again, our interaction on Twitter kind of started because um, you were actually a little heated. I thought I found you. I don't know how you were actually, but you sounded a little bothered, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair way to put it. Uh, <laughs> my my blog post was a somewhat reactionary a little bit more than i think i usually am um but as i think a lot of people are aware um the xbox was not uh was not real highly looked upon uh to start out this this e3 and it didn't get better (laughs) as the uh as the first day of e3 came to a close 
So um, yeah, so I was I was I, kind of responding. Yeah. So actually, we need we need some context for this. So for the first time um, that that I that I remember, um, both of the big companies had a pre E3 conference. So one was in February, one was in April. Um, Sony in February, uh, Xbox in April, and they actually talked about they they announced that they were going to release new consoles this year which were um which are the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox 1 right and the first time we heard about them and they were pre E3 so we heard a lot about them and then pretty much hyped everything up for the E3 conferences and there was um a lack of information maybe on Sony's part there's a lot of things that we didn't know like the box and things like that but we knew the name we didn't know the price uh, no release date and then Xbox came out with a lot more information and <laughs> the information they came out with um, kind of scared a lot of people um, there when there were a lot of rumors yes. and a lot you're right a lot of people did react uh, to that right and so so if you want um, I, I get the feeling that I'm more of a a Sony person in, in this generation, and maybe you're more of an Xbox person. So why don't you go into um, what some of the Sony announcements and, and some of people's reactions? Uh, what you said, some of the Sony announcements. Do you mean, from my perspective, the Xbox announcements? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean for the um, you go into some of the Xbox announcements. Yeah. Yes. So um, and, and again, I get to see this stuff sometimes in, in passing. So. I'm not great on the technical pieces to this, but my understanding of what was kind of new and then also what people were reacting to was that the Xbox One, as they were calling it, and as, as they are calling it, um, was going to require an always-on connection. So it would always have to be connected to a broadband internet connection and um, also would uh, have to always be on, as in uh, it would always have to require power to it. So it would always be in some sort of low-grade power state. Um, additionally, with this, there was the announcement that um, the Xbox One would not be backwards compatible with previous Xbox titles, um, but would also require some sort of a uh, an ownership piece to the games. So if I purchased a an Xbox One game, I would not be able to then resell that game to someone else. Uh, the license would exist with my um, my uh, online personality, my gamer profile. Um, now, what- essentially, right? Like right now, um, a lot of people um, stores like GameStop and Best Buy, you can take your games and trade them in, right. and then they'll go ahead and resell them, and somebody else buys it, and then for cheaper, and then they can take it home and and do that. And essentially, uh, what Xbox said was. We're we're not going to do that anymore. You can't you can't just take a game. It, you no longer have the right to sell it back, right. and so used games won't really work. You can lend them in a limited capacity, and some of the features were actually kind of cool. But yeah, it would all be tied to your gamer tag, and it would there would be very specific limitations to it. Right. Um. So it's essentially digital rights management. I don't know if you remember when when uh, Apple iTunes started and you bought a song you could uh, record it about seven times I believe it was mm-hmm. and then after that you couldn't do that and we had to rebuy it eventually all the music stores went um, turned off DRM so then you, you buy the file you can do whatever you want with it but Xbox uh, for the first time ever said this is what we're gonna do with our games what you do now you cannot do um, with the next generation 
Right, and that's my understanding of it was that there was some concern with, and I again, I could be wrong because I'm not in the industry. I only hear things, um, you know, the way the, the rest of us hear them. My understanding was that this was to uh, support, in some way, the developers of the games because when you resell a game, that money does not go back to the people who created it. Um, and so for whatever reason, Microsoft had decided that they were going to take the burden of ensuring that the money went to where it was quote unquote supposed to go. They took that on themselves as a console, as opposed to the developers, um, sort of managing that on their own, which is, which is interesting. I, I really wasn't sure the genesis of that, uh, that decision-making process, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. but I, but, and two, I don't think many other folks were either uh given the reactions <laughs> uh, so so as a consumer um and the way you understood it so how did you feel about about that announcement in particular yeah well to give my honest uh, my honest opinion about it i really um for me personally it wasn't a very big concern because i'm not a person who does a lot of um buying of used games or reselling my games uh, my Xbox is typically connected to the internet. It may not be on uh, all the time, but um, you know all of those things really didn't impact me directly personally. However, when I heard all of it, there was an, my immediate gut reaction was, "Oh God, everybody's going to be upset about this," <laughs> because it's yeah. such a it's such a shift against the norm. I think. Yeah. Now, what, now what I think the bigger the bigger deal is the other point, right? The um, that. It's requ- it was required to check into the internet every 24 hours. Otherwise, you couldn't play games on it. You could right. still watch TV on it. You could still right. play Blu-rays on it. <laughs> but right. you, couldn't, you couldn't play any games unless it, it talked to um, Microsoft servers every 24 hours. And right. there were these news articles about, like, so a lot of people in the military, they don't have a constant internet connection. They, they do LAN parties still. You know, it's on a local network. How how are they going to to play? So that that was a bigger deal. It was, and and that was, I mean, their line of logic with that was that was, I think, how it was going to verify what games were yours. You know, so if the if they do have these licenses tied to your gamer tag, then it had to be somehow verified that those were your games. You know, um, essentially, and. Um, you know, and, and people reacted really strongly to that. They did not like this idea of having to be sort of checked in on daily. Um, uh, and, so, and, so you had no problem in general with these problems? Yeah, I mean, like I said, my reaction was more a concern for the rest of the population. Myself, it wasn't going to impact very much, and I, I really didn't understand where it was coming from, um, you know, where, where these notions were coming from, because, again, it is so different, you know. Um, personally... Yeah, it um, it wasn't going to affect the way that I play my games, as it were. Um, but I think it was later that Microsoft started to try to explain what other benefits might come from this process. And I feel like, I, I don't remember which um, review I watched uh, said this, but it may have actually been one of the... Um, one of the segments on Revision 3's uh, website, uh, one of their um, video segments, they, the, the host described this as, you know, Microsoft phrased this all as a number of burdens um, as opposed to opportunities. And later tried to kind of backpedal and explain the opportunities, but it was just, it seemed like kind of a PR nightmare 
was going on around this stuff. You know, every time someone from Microsoft was being interviewed, you'd hear a little bit more clarity and then um, just more concerns would be raised about, okay, so you're saying that we might be able to gain extra um, uh, server space uh, on our multiplayer games by having this always on connection so we can access the cloud servers all over the place. But, um, you know, you're also then saying that, uh, you know, we, we may not have rights to these games if we can't get that. So it's not just a question of um, our, our games aren't quite as, as crisp when we're playing multiplayer, but we may not be able to play the games at all if we have a poor connection. Um, all right, so, so, so we're getting a little technical here on all of the details, right? Yes. And, and I, think, I think just in general, people, I think, I think we've already mentioned enough for people to either be able to say, meh, whatever, doesn't affect me, or, or my reaction, which is, I cannot believe that they did that. <laughs> okay, and um, and and I'll go into a little of the of the opposite reaction. I I can't believe that they did all of that. Um, I understand why, but I still can't believe that they went through with it. I also can't believe that they made comments like um, like well, if this is an issue for you, we have a system for like if you don't have internet all the time, right? That's okay. We have an option for you. It's called the Xbox 360, our old console. You can buy that. You don't have to buy the new one. And I I completely agree with the um with the 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 idea that you don't have to buy any of these systems right and we'll go into why like there's this ownership from consumers and all that stuff this sense of ownership but but essentially i agree with that but i didn't i really didn't like the way that they said it so i thought it was um very poorly handled and as a consumer and as someone who has been um a, a fan and 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 a, a consumer and a gamer for so many years i had an original xbox i had two different ones. Um, I bought an Xbox 360 on launch day. I felt, I did. I kind of took it personal. So I understand why a lot of people did. And and to just, to finish up with this drama, right, because it was kind of a big deal, that was on June 10th, right, where they made all the announcements. They had their conference. That would sound right. I'm sorry? That, would, that sounds right to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was June 10th, and then... Um, they did their conference in the morning and then PlayStation did their conference in, at night and actually went bullet by bullet on each and every one of those points and said, we're not doing anything that they're doing. And at Sony's conference, people cheered. Okay, people cheered at each and every one of those things. Right. So, so after that, the systems went on pre-order. Um, so did you pre-order a, uh, an Xbox One? I did actually, and it's funny that you you bring up the press conferences because I did not get to watch the Sony press conference after the Xbox One, um, oh. mostly just because I didn't know that it was it was on. I I just hadn't realized, and so I went out and happily pre-ordered my Xbox One and um, just figured my line of logic is always and and let me let me backpedal. I actually do agree with you. I think that the PR management piece was um, was very poorly put together. I, I kept every time i heard a uh press release it was a oh god please stop talking moment you know just <laughs> it seemed like this kept digging itself a bigger hole um but and partially I, because you care about the brand right i, like I do a, yes a yeah I, i've been a fan like you i had an original xbox i've um loved my xbox 360 i, I very much identify with the brand now and and the thing was when i bought my original xbox i did it kind of against the grain people were steering me away from it and saying that this wasn't going to turn into much of anything and i just liked the games 
And so when the 360 came out, I actually own both a 360 and a PS3, and I just prefer the Xbox community. Um, that's been kind of my my thing all the way along. And so when I heard this stuff, I just kind of wanted to put my money down on the system that I had been trusting and see where this went um, was my objective because I I was hoping that some of this stuff would explain itself out or write itself in a way that really matched with what I understood the brand to be. Um, and every time I heard something, it became much more painful because I was realizing that more and more people were getting angry about um, the brand that I had identified with for so long. So then I uh, actually, I was, I was, um, it was the following day at work. I had a, a brief moment on my lunch break uh, to just take a look at, um, I, I don't remember where, I, I believe it was a Penny Arcade comic strip, and they were talking about the Sony um, press release. And it was very much a, yeah, they blew Xbox out of the water sort of thing. And I thought, oh, my God, what did I miss? Uh, oh, it, had... was, it was pretty exciting. It yeah. was pretty exciting. <laughs> I gathered. I gathered. As exciting as a press conference about um, um, a video game console can be, it was very exciting. And the people there were cheering. Yeah, that's, that's what I've understood. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and so they cheered to every one of the points that we've discussed and, and, and others. And then Sony went and 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 said, and our and our and our system cost a hundred dollars less. So that was kind of the nail in the coffin for yes. for that. Anyway, but then people like so I asked you about the pre order, right? Because that's been a big deal. Today we're recording on June twenty first, so it's been two weeks, and people could pre order the system. So you you made your decision and you pre ordered your Xbox One. Yes, right. Yes, I did. And I was. I was not happy with Xbox at this point, um, and I can. There's a little history to that too. Um, I've been, I've taken, I haven't been happy with Xbox for a few years now. But, but after the press conference, I said, forget it. This is. I, I want to vote with my wallet too. So I, I pre-ordered a PS4. Right now, now the week after that, you know, that followed. Apparently, no one knows for sure, but apparently, the pre-orders for the PlayStation Four were huge um you could go on amazon and you would see that they were they had to stop the day one um pre-orders and then they had pre-orders for afterwards but xbox still had their their original pre-orders apparently people were saying and i don't know the specific numbers and i don't know that anybody knows the specific numbers across all um outlets but playstation 4 was outselling or out pre-ordering the xbox one right and to finish with this drama um, today is June 21st. Are you aware of all the latest news on, on this issue? I did hear some new news this week, yes. And so, okay. yeah. So as of June um, as of June 19th, Xbox went back on every single one of those points that everybody hated. So you no longer have to be connected all the time. You can trade in your games and do whatever you want. It's a mute point. Both systems now do exactly the same thing regarding those things. So the drama's over. There's no point to discuss this any further. <laughs> Essentially. And to be honest with you, I um, was a little bit disappointed in, the, um, in that backpedaling. Uh, not... Me too. Yeah, let me let me be careful in how I phrase it because I was disappointed because I wanted Microsoft to come out and say there are reasons why you're going to want us to do this for you, and it never quite came to that. You know, there were all these these sort of side conversations about um, all these things that might come out of all of the things that people didn't like about the Xbox One, and 
I was waiting for them to say that, and it didn't happen. Instead, they just backpedaled on all of these issues. Now, I was reading an article, I think yesterday, um, and it talked about th- that there were a lot of people who actually, it, it certainly wasn't the same. Um, you know, it, it, it was definitely the minority of people were reacting back and saying um, what I'm saying, that they were disappointed about this this change in, in pace. Um, but the people who were saying that were sort of, identifying with the idea that, you know, Microsoft was trying something new and different and we're moving into this digital realm and there were possibilities and now none of that's going to happen. So, you know, so we're never going to see what this could have turned out to be. Um, yeah, essentially yeah. it would have been a real battle and it would have been an ideological battle yes. really. Like they each stood for something different and, and the consoles are actually com- pretty different under the hood, they're actually exactly, they're pretty much exactly the same um, electronics, but they're doing things in completely different ways. So it's going to be exciting regardless. But that part of it, all of those things that I felt was like screwing the consumer, there were features that were good and had potential within that. And now they've actually backpedaled all the way and they're not even including some of the uh, cooler features like being able to share a game with your family for example and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I, I didn't realize up until actually the uh, um, the Microsoft canceled that feature, I didn't realize how cool that that could be. The idea that if I purchase a game uh, 10 people within my family network can try it out without actually having a physical copy of it is really kind of revolutionary. Um, but now because you actually have to have a physical copy of the game as you always have, that doesn't happen anymore. That's not supposed to happen anymore. So, um, well, with a 500 gig hard drive, you could always, I mean, a lot of, there is um, a lot of, uh, incentives that just download the game outright at midnight when it comes out. So, you know, you may not have a physical copy to even do that now. And apparently they removed the whole feature, but who knows from here till, November when the thing launches, who knows what they'll decide to do. Well, that's the reality. And I think that's the interesting point that did come out of this is we get so used to the idea that, like you and I both said at the beginning of this this discussion, that E3 is going to tell us what we're going to purchase for the next year. We forget that some of this stuff isn't going to come out for six months or better. And yeah. a lot of stuff can change. Um, so, Like we saw this week. <laughs> yes, and some of it can change yeah. very quickly and spontaneously, uh, yeah. apparently. So, but so money talks. People voted with their wallet, and Sony, um, Sony apparently came out ahead for two weeks, and Microsoft, apparently, for whatever reason, decided to go back on everything that they were so um, aggressively stating previously. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really do. I think that Sony did play a really great PR campaign. I mean, they. Um, it was. I described this to a friend of mine over the phone about a week about a week ago. Um, the idea that Sony really played this chess game well. You know, every little sort of move they made was very calculated and was reacting very well to the wave of dislike that Microsoft was getting. Um, yep. So really, I mean, and you know, we are putting our psychological hats on the side for this, but um, really, a, a great sort of uh, psychological chess game was being played out there. And, uh, yeah, so here we are. <laughs> yeah, and the feelings that were involved, you know, there there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of pride um, in all of this. And and it, it, was, it was fascinating and it was a lot of fun. And I'm kind of disappointed that in many ways, in less than two weeks, the, the biggest part of that fight is, is kind of over. Yeah. 
I'm I'm actually pretty disappointed. So I mean, once November hits, it'll be different, and this generation will be huge. Um, people who don't know much about video games or don't really follow it, the Xbox came out almost eight years ago, and the Sony PlayStation Three came out um, almost eight years ago, um, almost seven years ago. So it's been a very long um, time since we've had new consoles, and the consoles have evolved over time, and people are hungry for this and so it's just a, a really exciting time yep yeah it, it really does stand to um i mean it, it's it's not going to be disappointing come november there's still going to be a lot of great stuff that comes out of this and i'd like to see them play around with what these consoles can do um over the lifetime of them i've i've i mean clearly the current generation has lasted us quite a while i'm very curious to see what this new generation will usher in and really i mean next e3 <laughs> it's hard to think uh, you know think about next e3 when we're just ending this e3 but you know so much was about the console wars this year um next e3 is really going to be the opportunity to see, to see some really great stuff as the developers get to play around with the technological features of these consoles once they've finally been released and we finally know a lot more about them it'll be really interesting to see how this evolves and and one thing one interesting thing that they did at the pre-conferences they really laid out the groundwork for the consoles and really, they both tried to focus mostly on games at their shows, for the most part. Yes, they did. And I thought that was good. I was actually pleased to see that, that they actually held up. Both both major consoles held up to uh, that promise, that they would not talk as much hardware, but would actually talk media. Um, so that was good to see. So let's let's actually get into our reactions to the show and all of that. And... Um, I must say that even though we've only talked about Microsoft's Xbox One and Sony's PlayStation 4, um, Nintendo is actually still a, a player in the console arena. And even though they, they have a system that's really trying to do something different, the way I see it is kind of like your your second or third console, right? It's not maybe maybe not your primary console if, if, if Xbox and PlayStation are, are your thing. Yeah. So, But they did actually have a conference, and they decided to kind of stay out of the fight in a different way. So they had a pre-recorded conference that they streamed on Tuesday morning. Uh, Microsoft and Sony did live conferences um, in California on on Monday. And Nintendo did a one-hour pre-recorded conference that they streamed Tuesday morning. And they showed all of their games. They do not have a new console coming out this year because they released the the Wii U um, in, two, in 2012. Right. And I'll, I'll have something to say about Nintendo later too, but... Uh, so let's just go into like what did, what was the biggest news? What did you like? Um, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, again, I, I'm um, somewhat of an Xbox fanboy. I admit, even though I do uh, have the other consoles and do enjoy other games, I used to be very much the Nintendo fanboy. I'm glad you you brought them up. Um, but I guess if I'm looking back. Uh, one of the things that I am really excited about, and it's actually not a an Xbox One or a PS4 game, it's it's going to be releasing on the current-gen consoles. I'm really excited for uh, Splinter Cell Blacklist. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was it was a lot of fun to see Spies vs. Mercs come back. It's their multiplayer. Oh, I love it. I love that, yes, yeah. absolutely. That was a huge, um, huge game when I was, and I'm dating myself a little bit here, when I was in college, uh, Pandora Tomorrow came out, and it was the first. Um, it was the first multiplayer Splinter Cell. It was you know Splinter Cell Two, the first time we see Spies vs Mercs, and we, uh, my friends and I, 
Um, I'm, I'm still very close friends with all the guys that I was um, close with in college. We would actually play dorm room to dorm room, and, and we would have the team of spies in one dorm room and the team of mercs in another dorm room and play over our college LAN. Um, so I have a lot of great memories of uh, spies versus mercs, and it kind of faded away in some of the later versions of Splinter Cell, and I'm just I'm dying to play spies versus mercs again. So and we can play online now. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's um, it's <laughs> it's gotten better. Um, you know, they're returning to the old style gameplay, and then they've added that component of, and they've actually increased the number of teams uh, or characters within the teams I've seen. I've seen in the videos. It looks like instead of two verse two, we can do four verse four, which is just which is just fantastic. Um, great strategy sort of gameplay. Um, actually, I, just to speak to that, I was always very blown away by subtleties within the spies versus mercs. Um, gameplay. Uh, they used the idea of light and dark very well. Um, so the spies um, had to stay in darkness and avoid detection, whereas the mercs could be kind of out. They were more of a first-person shooter character. And I remember um, a friend of mine and I playing as spies, and one of the mercs knew that we were around. And later we found out he could tell that we were around because he could see dust coming off of ceiling panels where we were stepping in the ceiling. And so we became aware of him when he started to shoot into the ceiling and tiny pinholes of light started coming up around our characters. And just that subtlety in the games back then um, was just fantastic. So there's a, there's a lot of possibility with this, with this new game that I'm just very excited for. Um, so that was one. I don't want to eat up your time. What was one of your um, big takeaways? I'm curious. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say something different too. I guess my, my, the one thing I was most excited about the whole, the whole E3, regardless of the new consoles and everything, mm-hmm. was actually the Super Mario, uh, Super Smash Brothers announcement. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I love, so that's a Nintendo Wii U game and they showed the new, um, Super Smash Brothers, uh, it's a fighting game with all the Nintendo characters and honestly, like nothing got me more excited than that trailer, just to see the characters, see that it's going to be on the 3DS, so it'll be portable, it'll be on a new uh, high-def system. And then at the end, they they showed a hidden character, like not a hidden character, but a, a bonus character that's going to be in the game. And it was Mega Man, and he's got all these powers from the old games, and it was, oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. I was a big Mega Man fan growing up, so that's that's exciting news, too. I don't actually have a Wii U yet, but that... Might be a reason to pick one up, and uh, I do have a 3DS, so that's possible. Actually, now that you yes. said that, cool. So we can that, play online. Yes, so we can play online. That'll be exciting. Yes, um, I was pretty excited to speak to an Xbox One title. I was pretty excited for uh, Titanfall. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw any of the videos on that. Um, yep. As far as I could see, that's an Xbox exclusive game. Um, it is, yeah. But it's. I, I used to be a big fan of the Mech Warrior games way back, and yes, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> the idea. See, we're we're just. It's funny how everything old is new again. You know, all these yeah. <laughs> all these throwback ideas that we're finally getting to realize as adults. Um, yeah. You know, the the idea of being able to play as an effective sort of human sized character that can then get into and out of um, a large scale mech. Um, you know this robot fighting suit uh, is just is just a lot of fun, and my understanding is that um, the goal is for that to take advantage of the Microsoft cloud technology to help make um, uh, larger arenas and more impressive graphics, because the system then won't be 
uh, solely rendering the images. They'll be able mm-hmm. to outsource some of that to these cloud servers, which is just an innovative idea for these next-gen systems. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to see. You know, it, it's I'm curious if anybody's played any multiplayer stuff nowadays. The idea of the system kind of someone's system being overtaxed and um, the lag that comes up in multiplayer games and you know, you, you get slowed down or you get these choppy scenarios or we're limited to how many people can be on the screen at once. You know, Battlefield 4 is going to have, I mean, it's, it's going to be huge, isn't it? It's going to be like, what is it, 32 people per team um, on a console? I don't know the exact numbers. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I, that game looks amazing, too. I was going to say, I, I, could be, I could be wrong on the numbers. Um, I'm willing to admit that. But the, the numbers are going to be huge for the amount of players that are going to be in a match together, which is just incredible. So I'm very excited for that. And, and also with the next-gen stuff, and then I'll, I'll stop. And It's more of an idea. It's not a game. The idea came up with um, the ability to have um, outsourced um, uh, server space with cloud technology and just you know, better, um, better connections, better capabilities on the consoles to have the idea of persistent worlds um, like, uh, what is that, Destiny. Is coming out on both both consoles. Um, on every console, it'll be out on current generation and next generation. Yeah, and and just um, what a fantastic looking game, and the idea of being able to play in a current, um, always current, always persistent world uh, used to be that you could only do that really on a computer system, and now to be able to do that on your consoles as well is just just incredible. I'm very excited for that game, uh, and just yeah. that idea. It, it, yeah, and it's not the first. Um, it's not the first um, like massively multiplayer online game for a console. Right. But but what this team is doing, uh, it's Bungie. They they created um, the Halo franchise, and yeah, that's the game. That's not Smash Brothers was my favorite announcement from the show, but uh, Destiny is the game that I'm most looking forward to within the next year, without a doubt. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, that's that's it's a, a lot of fun. It looks to me like uh, a mix between Mass Effect and Borderlands, and I'm I'm still playing Borderlands six months after it came out, Borderlands 2, and um, Mass Effect is just fantastic. So I get that feel from it, and to think that it's the people who made, you know, the the original, the first five Halos is um, very exciting. Yes. Yeah, they're they're definitely uh, as much as I um I will privately poke fun sometimes at Bungie um, among my group of friends for giving up on the Halo franchise because I am a, um, as much as I I do identify with Microsoft, I identify even more with the Halo franchise in general. Um, And so to see that original studio doing something completely new um, is just just incredibly exciting. So I know we've we've never talked about this on the show, but do, do you remember when Halo 2 came out that there was the I Love Bees campaign? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, you, you reminded me. Of, yeah, you reminded me of it. Actually, I had forgotten about it until one of our conversations. Yes, I did. Right? Maybe I mentioned it before. It's just that um, it's fascinating to me that Jay McConigal worked on that. Yes, like it's yes. just, oh, it's just so awesome. Anyway, yeah, I used to. Oh, that was fantastic. I listened to everything. I've read the novels. Yeah, I was pretty big. I really liked the Halo um, universe a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, and I'm I'm uh, very curious as to this whole Halo live action TV series that's being talked about that Steven Spielberg is going to be a part of. Um, 
I don't yeah. I don't even want to talk about that. But yeah, Microsoft's like, oh, you can watch exclusive television. They, they were very TV focused um, for this for this round. They and, were uh, they were focused on this idea of the one console for all of your entertainment, and so they stopped talking, I think, somewhat about games and really focused on the other stuff that could be done, which. Um, without getting back into that conversation, I think uh, caused some people to be, you know, to feel a bit left out of the conversation, as it were. Um, Meh, whatever. <laughs> well, I've got an Apple TV. Yeah. I'm okay. I can use that for most... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so um, Splinter Cell, uh, Titanfall looks amazing. I thought, uh, when, they, when it started, I thought it was MechWarrior. Honestly, I thought they were going to just remake um, MechWarrior. Destiny looks fantastic. Smash Brothers. Uh, what else you got? Anything memorable that um, was announced? Um, that's a good question. Let me think on that as we talk. I, yeah, I did not give you a chance to prep. I didn't really prep either. I'll tell uh, you a few of the ones that I was excited yeah, for. Too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, they didn't show much of the gameplay, but uh, for PlayStation, they showed a game called The Order, um, 1886. Okay. And it looks like a third-person shooter in 1886 with all these um, advanced technology some people have described it as like steampunk looking. It's it's a alternate history type of game. They didn't show any gameplay, but it looked oh, it looked really, 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 really interesting. Just the concept of it. Yeah, I, I don't think I actually saw that one, but that does seem interesting. I'm actually trying to find the name of there was a Tom Clancy game that was shown. Oh, the Division. That's it. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Division uh, looked. Is that going to be multi-platform? I'm not entirely sure. I would presume. I don't remember as, as a Clancy no. game. I know, I know it was shown on the Xbox um, press conference. But the idea of again having this entirely open world, um, you know, you and your group of buddies are in the same world as someone else and their their squad, and you're trying to sort of fight in this post-apocalyptic world. Um, just just incredibly interesting. I actually remember watching the preview trailer and thinking that the dialogue was um written in that that was um uh choreographed as it were that it was part of the story and it wasn't until towards the end of the trailer that i realized that this was just i mean it may have been staged but it was just people talking to each other within the within the game and so the idea that you are just sort of interacting in this world trying to survive is just a just a fantastic idea I'm I'm really excited for that, and I didn't get to see too much about it. But again, the idea is really interesting to me. Yeah, and that's the best part about you know going into a new console generation. Everything can go bigger, and all these new things that we can do before we'll we'll be able to do. And it's not so much about graphics; it's about having more people and having that constant um, world to just go back to, and having it be more fluid and faster and more vertical like battlefield 4 like that game they showed people fighting in a building uh, a huge skyscraper and then there were also people fighting on the ground and it, the verticality of it was just unbelievable it's pretty exciting yeah and that's actually um you know a way to sort of tie in this this conversation we're having i was reading an article about um what the new console generation was and this is actually where some of my bitterness came from in my uh blog post was not so much the um, differences between the Xbox and the PlayStation, but just the general sort of, and I captured it by saying gamer snobbery, um, but the idea that uh, it doesn't matter what's coming out. If you like what's coming out, you're not really being a good gamer. Um, and without getting into that piece, uh, an article... No, no, go into that. Go into that. Oh, okay. Um, 
I've I've caught a lot of, uh, or I've, I've let me rephrase that. I've caught a lot of feedback from people, um, either saying that because I like one console or another, I'm not being a good gamer, and that bothers me less because you actually, I think, hit the nail on the head with the idea that we have some sort of personal investment in our consoles now, which is really kind of cool to think about that. Um, this has become less of a form of media and more something that we identify with, which I think is really really pretty incredible and really speaks to the culture of gaming, which is something you and I talk about all the time. So, and, and, and I think it's, it's the most um, analogous to a team, right? Like a sports yes. team. Yeah. Like you feel a pride for that sports. If you want to wear the logo, you, you care if they win or lose, you care about the ins and outs of what's going on and the people who are on the team. So really we identify with these different teams. And I think it makes sense um, in that analogy that we, we really, we don't like the other team, right? We like our team and, and we get a little aggressive and we get, um, maybe we take things a little too far sometimes, but it's in, it's in that realm of, of uh, the team pride and, and, and just the love for the, the game. Yeah. And that's, um, that I, I totally buy into and I totally agree with. Um, the piece that I struggled a little bit with was the idea that, um, now we're moving into this world where, um, console gamers are being considered less of gamers as compared to PC gamers. And, um, basically the, the, um, the argument kept creeping up in my Twitter feed about at least initially before E3 came along and the focus really shifted to the consoles again. Um, the discussion was about why we should move away from any other type of gaming other than PC gaming. And I, um, I struggled with the arguments because they were so aggressive, um, more so than just the identification aggressive. Um, I actually got called out uh, on Twitter at one point by someone who had, who had said that I was not an average consumer, and so I, my arguments were invalidated and wouldn't listen to me anymore. Uh, my only line of logic with that was because of my degrees, which I didn't really appreciate because I see myself as as much of a gamer as any other person. I think that's one of my qualifications, uh, really. But as we discussed today, we are mental health professionals. Yes. Among other things. Yes, right? exactly. So. That's it's not it's not all that makes me. I am I am very much a proud gamer and comic book geek and all of those things. Um, but this this idea that uh, so any so in any case, I read an article and I think it was on Kotaku, um, and I could be wrong, but I, I read this article that had identified the reason that we need a new console generation is because the the largest portion of the market is associated with consoles. And so major developers will use the structure of the console to decide how to make the game, you know, the, the new blockbuster video game. And so really they're not going to make like a version of the next Call of Duty that's going to be specifically for the consoles and then a separate version of Call of Duty that's going to be specific to the computers. They're going to make a Call of Duty that's going to play roughly on all of those systems. Um, fairly much the same, and then you can perhaps have better graphics on your uh, you know, your PC as opposed to your consoles, even though the current generation, or the new generation, is going to um, really be pretty in line with current generation PCs, I think, at least for a while. So we need the new console generation, as this article put it, to really set the the bar again, because it's not just graphics that are important in our games, it's what you were talking about, the idea that 
you know, with improved consoles, we're able to get larger worlds. We're able to get more people in the game. We're able to get persistent environments. You know, it used to be that a game was really exciting when we had somewhat destructible environments or somewhat realistic physics. Now we take that stuff for granted. If a game doesn't have that, well, we just don't even see it, you know. So, but that's just because the consoles have taken those next steps. And so, um, likewise, then the the entire community is going to flourish from this next step that we're making. So I, I just I struggle with those arguments because they just seem short sighted to me. Not not so much the I'm I'm camping with my with my team. I buy that entirely, but we do need to move forward. You know, the industry needs to continue to move forward to provide us new opportunities. So, um, yeah. I would I would argue we don't we don't need to. But it's it's better for everybody if you do, and it's a lot more exciting for the developers too if they have a new toy and they have new new ways to express uh, those ideas that they have. And really, the consumers we we we're here and we want something new. And this is and of course traditionally over the years the video game industry is old now. It's not something that's new. And this is the longest generation cycle, uh, console generation cycle we've ever had. Right. And and I don't know if people realize that, right? Like the Nintendo was out for a few years and then the Super Nintendo came out and then Nintendo 64. And, you know, every few years you get a new console. Five years was the most we'd ever had. And to think that we went seven years was a really long time. And over the over that time, we have things like our cell phones and our tablets that are able to produce things that look really, really good. And they're starting to catch up. And so... And the computers keep going ahead, right? Because they have the advantage that you can, um, they're modular. You can just replace one part and, right. and make it better or faster. So, but it's become, I don't know. I, I, I've heard that argument for years about the PC crowd. Um, right. And where the money is, is really what you need to think about. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, yeah, that is the case. Um, I, I'm going to, I pulled up some statistics to, to, uh, to support what we're saying here. Right. Um, it says uh, this is from the ESRB, and it says um, the average number of years that adult gamers have been playing computer or video games is 12 years. Sixty-seven um, percent of U.S. households play video games, and really, most people play. Like, it's just so much easier to play on a console, right, than it is to play on a PC because it's it's more of a dedicated thing. Which, uh, to Microsoft's uh, argument, I think they're going. Like now that I think about it, they're going kind of like roundabout to going back to, like they're going around in this argument because if PCs used to do everything and play a game and that was problematic and when we had dedicated consoles, it was easier. Now Xbox wants their console to pretty much do everything. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is interesting. Like I said, everything old is new again. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and so, gaming is huge. It's a multi-billion-dollar industry, and consoles and and cell phones and handhelds and you know everybody everybody that's a gamer let me see so it says like i said 67% of us households play video games mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean just computer games that means all types of games and you know people i agree like some people get really aggressive about what is a real game and what isn't and a board game is a real game is is a game sure it's not a video game but it's a game and play is play so people can relax a little. I don't know, man. I think you need to follow some different people on Twitter. I, I, I you know, I'm reevaluating my, uh, I am reevaluating my newsfeed. That's for sure. Because I agree with you entirely. I think when we start nitpicking at these sorts of things, I, I, let me, let me rephrase. 
when we get passionate about the things that we care about, that's one thing. And I, I think that's um, exactly as you described it. That's that's good. That's healthy. It's what we see in just about every other facet of our lives. I think that when we start to become attacking or we start to entrench ourselves in one line of thinking, we become kind of um, that adversarial. Yeah. And, and that's that's just not healthy for us as a community. I mean, we're and you and I have talked about this before, too. Any anthropologist would probably speak to the idea that once we flesh ourselves out as a culture, we start to get this kind of hierarchy or people start to try to establish a pecking order of some kind. And I, I just think we, that what's that? that? Yeah, that there we, we establish dividing lines. doesn't matter how once the community becomes large enough, then we have to find some way to split ourselves up again. Right. And and we just know, you know, again, thinking as thinking as mental health professionals, we know that that's that's just not healthy in the long run. The idea that, um, you know, as soon as we uh, sort of establish an identity, we have to break it down and reestablish it. Um, just kind of, I mean, it, it's, I guess, inevitable, but it's, you hate to see that happen, <laughs> you know? It's, well, it's the attacking part. It's a problem, right? You can identify with as many things as you want. Once, once it becomes a problem that I identify with one thing and you identify with another, that's, that's where it, it you know, Right. It becomes a problem for all of us, and that's not healthy. Right. You're very right there. The rest is natural. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I think it's just a, a need for me to um, reevaluate where it is that I get my information uh, or what it is that I see. It's just that sort of I need to simplify my life a little bit more, perhaps. <laughs> on, on my I thought, man, Steve looks so angry. Why? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't always happen that I speak up like that. I mean, we all have our feelings, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So. Yeah, and and I um I I don't know about you, but I I play on my tablet on my phone. I'll play on anything that says that it has a game in it. I have a Vita, a 3DS, DS. I have. I don't have a 360 anymore because I have issues with Microsoft now. But <laughs> doesn't mean I won't have an Xbox One someday. Hopefully, um, if you can afford to buy both consoles when they come out the same week, more power to you. I had to make a choice. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to play around. There's some exclusives on the PS4 that look really cool. It's just a, you know, you're right. We just really realistically have to make our choices as what's going to be primary and what's going to be secondary, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agreed. I'll play just about anything that comes out. Uh, and that goes for, like you said, board game, card game. Additionally, I, uh, I just that's that's where I get my fun. And um, yeah. And as 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 therapists, I mean, we we work with kids, and with kids, like anything is a game to them. Right. So you know, you got to be open minded in that sense. Yeah. Um, so. No hate from me for, for anybody or any type of games, though. Again, I have some issues with Microsoft. Well, <clears throat> yeah. what are you gonna uh, do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? So, so um, a few, a few other things I remember from E3 that were kind of uh, exciting. Um, uh, Gaikai for PS4. This is a, a, a again speaking to new technologies. They're actually going to be able to stream PlayStation 3 and 4 games to your. Uh, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3 games for your PlayStation 3, and to Vita, um, all games. And essentially it means you don't, you don't need, like you could subscribe to the game and the game is hosted on a server somewhere else and then you can play it through your system. Mm. And that's really exciting. Yeah. That's really, really exciting. Yeah. To think that you can buy the game and then just access from wherever you are and, and play it is uh, very exciting. That is the... I actually, and, and I actually bought a Vita because of the connectivity with the... Uh, ps4 
I traded in my 360 for a Vita. Oh, I just keep oh. hitting Microsoft. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I've already identified as being the Xbox fanboy, so you can you can very much be the PlayStation fanboy. It's there's room. I will. for today. For today I will be. Yes. Um. <laughs> well, that's and you you bring up that piece. Uh one of the other exciting things from E3 from my perspective was the partnership between Twitch TV and Microsoft. I mean, I I don't have a Twitch channel myself, but I've been really interested in what um, the idea of live streaming your games, where that could go, uh, and where that is going, really. Um, and additionally, the ability to... My friends and I have been saying for years that um, the move within Halo and then the move within Call of Duty to be able to record your matches and then review yeah. them um, has been a great move, and we wish that uh, that every game would do that. Because when you do something exciting in a game, it's great to go back and watch it and see how that played out. And so now the ability to basically um, sort of record just about any game on the Xbox One's internal hard drive, um, you know, in, in its DVR is just just really exciting. So yeah, um, and and again, this, the two systems are doing a lot of the same things. I think the the PlayStation has a, I think it's a different amount of time um, that they're both always recording. So you just hit a button and it essentially saves the last like 10 or 15 minutes. So it's not like you press a button and you start recording. It's always recording, at least on the PS4. And PS4 made a deal with Ustream. So, um, so that's uh, Xbox will, will do Twitch and um, PlayStation will do Ustream. And essentially that, that sense is just you hit a button and all of a sudden whatever you're doing on the screen is live for people to see. Yeah. And that is very exciting because people do that now a lot. They do. And... And it's 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 kind of cool. Like it is a sport, and to see somebody playing a game is is it can be fun. Well, it's 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 interesting that we've gone to um, something. I I didn't think this would happen to me, but I will be you know sometimes playing a game on a Saturday afternoon when I have when I have the time to do so, and uh, and then I'll stop to take a break to do something else, and I'll actually turn on Twitch on my Xbox and watch someone else play a game in the background as I maybe have a lunch break or something like that, and. I don't, I don't know what that says about me, but it's, it is exciting. It is interesting to watch other people play and to see what they're doing. And I get new ideas from what they're doing. Um, so just adding to that community idea um, is just, is, it's just, it, it's exciting. There's no, there's no other word for it. It's where we're going in the game industry is just a lot of fun. And so, you know, we do, we do have major gaming leagues and we do have um, tournaments and things like that that are um, shown. Even, I think there's some game tournaments that are shown on ESPN 3, I think. I believe. Maybe so. ESPN 2. Yeah. One yeah. Of yes. And, and, and in South Korea, I mean, it is huge. Like, people get sponsored for playing StarCraft and other games. So, there is an audience for it. There is something about it that is. That is again kind of cool. It's it's just fun, and I don't know if you ever did this when you were younger, um, but when I I remember my my stepbrother and I had uh, we bought Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation, mm-hmm. so we were we were still in like grammar school, I guess, or maybe high school, and that was a long game. It was four CDs, and what we did was we we each played it, and when one of us we only had one PlayStation, and we would take turns playing it, and when one of us was playing, the other one would just sit there and watch the other person play. Yes. Yeah. And it was because it, it was a beautiful game. It was a cool story, and you could do different things. And we had no problem. It's like we didn't fight over the controller. We didn't fight over who could play. We watched the other person play, and we enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. So we, this is an evolution of that. It, it really is. We used to. My friends and I in college would play um, 
the Silent Hill games. Um, yeah, we would just start those one Saturday night after after classes had ended on well, perhaps on Friday night after classes had ended, and then play just all through the night and um, play together and point out things and interact with each other. And um, we would, like you said, we would just kind of take turns. So we would trade controllers back and forth and just kind of um, watch the other people play. And it wasn't uh, a fight. It wasn't a, um, oh, he's playing and I'm not going to watch anymore because I'm not having the fun of actually interacting. Um, we were interacting with each other, um, yeah. which was which was where the fun was. So it is. It's an evolution of that, I think. And it's fun. It's just a lot of fun. It is. It's a blast. Um, to watch it's like watching a movie but you can you can make choices so you tell the guy with the controller to do this or do that yeah it's fun yes it's a lot of fun so yeah so all of that is coming in in the next generation and that's really exciting and they showed off a lot of that too um is there anything else that you can think about that um was maybe announced at e3 that that has you excited for the next generation I am excited for the assassin's creed franchise uh, the next step in that I like the idea of the and and it goes back to a, a continuous theme of our discussion the the ability for i'm less excited about the story and more excited about the ability to be free roaming in another universe um the idea to have your own ship and be able to sail wherever you know the new assassins creed game is going to be a pirate based game um so to be able to sail wherever you want and sort of create your base of operations and move around is exciting for me and to explore an old time period is always so fascinating. I haven't played either one, uh, anything since uh, Assassin's Creed 1 and 2. But in 2, you're in all these real historic places and you can just walk around the city and climb up buildings. And it's, it's, it's so great to be able to do that in wider open spaces now. Yeah, I agree. And as that game evolves, um, again, I become less interested in kind of the base story of what's going on and just more interested in that ability to be in a real place and play around with the environment. Um, and I actually am looking at a list of E3 games that were, that were announced so I can remind myself of some of the stuff that's coming out this year. Um, I was excited to see that Halo 5 was um, teased. Um, well, they didn't. They didn't call it Halo Five. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't say anything about what it was. They just showed Master Chief on the screen. Um, they called it Halo. Yes. That was it. Yes. So they're they're uh, according to the list here. They're look. They're showing it as Halo Five. Um, okay. I'm not sure what they're doing with it exactly, and there's certainly no announcement of the story. But I actually, it was kind of exciting because I thought this was going to be one of the first years in a little while where we haven't seen a Halo game announced. I knew there was a new one going to come out because it was announced when 343 took over um, that Halo 4 was the first part of another three-part, um, you know, another trilogy basically. And yep. um, so I knew that eventually we'd see the next stage of that. We would see the next step in this trilogy, but. I didn't expect that I would see anything this year. And so that was really kind of exciting to just sort of see a glimpse of that because again, I am such a Halo fanboy. Um, I'm just trying to trying to scroll here and see if there was anything else that piques my memory. The new Thief game looked kind of interesting. I didn't the play The Witcher it. 3 looks pretty awesome. The Witcher 3 does look pretty exciting. Yeah, I did see that. I'm actually not I've not played the games. I've watched other people speaking to the idea of um you know, watching others play games. I've watched some of my friends play through some of the previous Witcher games, and the new one looks really pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and and you should, I mean, you should look into it because um, what they're promoting is just this huge open world, and sounds like it's up your alley. It is indeed. Yeah, and I'm looking <laughs> here. Right now, they're only showing The Witcher Three as PC and PS4, but I had understood that to be an Xbox One release as well. 
So I'm not. Yeah, actually, most of the games that I'm really excited about are going to be on both platforms, and some are even going to be on the current generation uh, systems. Games like uh, Batman Arkham Origins is going to be on all the systems. That looked pretty good, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a huge, huge, I love Metal Gear Solid. Yes. That is my second favorite franchise of all time. So Metal Gear Solid 5, it's going to be on all on both consoles. I'm fine with that. I just want to be able to play that game. Well, and, oh. it, and it looks like we're going to play Snake again, which is exciting, or some well, it's, Snake. Well, it's all it's um it's uh it's Big Boss, so it's okay. um it's Snake, it's Snake. Yes. At least the one that we've seen. Yes. Vo- voiced by Keeper Sutherland, by the way. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's exciting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There are interviews up. Uh, I, I am yes, a big. Uh, I liked the previous Metal Gear Solid games as well. I um. I got a little bit lost in a couple of the more recent installments. I wasn't um, as tied in. Metal Gear Solid uh, 1, the first one that came out for the PlayStation, was one of my favorite games ever um, and remains so. So, Did you ever play the remake on GameCube? I did, actually. I did, actually. Yeah. I, it was a little bit hard to play with the GameCube controller, given what I remembered from my PlayStation controller. Um, but the, the, I mean, it's basically the same game with the upconverted graphics, um, which was, oh, they redid, they redid everything. It was, um, Silicon Knights, uh, actually did the entire game, um, the graphics for the game. Yeah. So they did the old, uh, eternal darkness. Oh, it was, it was so good. Yeah. That's it. I, I love Metal Gear Solid. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. Actually, it looked pretty Horse cool. Horse stealth. Did you see that? Yes, I saw horse stuff. <laughs> I saw the ability to lean on your horse and evade. Um, so we're taking the cardboard box idea and moving it somewhat forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For people, so so people imagine the visual. This guy's riding a horse, and then he just essentially uh, is. So people won't see him on one side of the horse. He kind of um, like hangs off the side of the horse, like, and then. It should look to the other people like someone is not riding the horse. The horse just has a saddle and it keeps going. It is silly and it is ridiculous. And that is classic Metal Gear. So I love it. Yes. Yeah, very much so. All right. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking before we wrap up about why I, I have issues with Microsoft. Go right ahead. And it has to, it has to do with, with um, you know, my, my Xbox died like it did for, my Xbox 360 died like it did for many, 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 many people. Yes. Did, your, did any of your 360s die? Yes. How many? I, I've actually, <laughs> let me think here, um, Red Ring of Death related, I think I lost three <laughs> over my, uh, my course of time there, yes. So I lost two. Okay. Okay. And um, the second time it was so the first time was under warranty. And and to Microsoft's credit, they did um, actually say, listen, I think you know we're we're gonna extend everybody's warranty because obviously there's a problem. Yes. And that was good. So the first time mine died, it was in that extended warranty period that they granted. Fantastic. Um, I put it in the coffin, as people called it back then. I took it to UPS store. The guy recognized. He said, "Oh, a 360." Yes. And uh, <laughs> sent it back. I got my new system. I refurbished. It was fixed. It was fine. Perfect. Fantastic. Yes. And then it happened again a second time. And when it happened a second time, it wasn't under warranty. It was fine. I had to pay $100 to fix it. But I was going to move. Um, I was moving um, apartments at the time. And I said, you know, I'm just going to hold off on it and I'll, I'll fix it later. So I, I've had a PS3 also. And then my PS3 died. Kind of maybe two months, three months later. And 
So I, I contacted um, Sony to see how much it was, it was to do the same thing, to get it sent in, repaired, and take it and receive it again. And Sony told me, oh, it's about, I think it was about the same amount. It was $100. And they said, if you spend $10 more, $20 more, we'll give you the newer version, so the slim version, and we'll double your hard drive for you. Okay. And I thought, well, yeah, that's like, that, that's pretty good. Of course, I'll do, of course I'll do that. Why wouldn't I want to upgrade my system while I'm at it? And, and I did. And I thought that that was such a, a, a great thing for, for Sony to do. So then I called Microsoft and I asked them if they had a similar option or if they would do something similar. And of course they, they said no, they would never do that. And um, they didn't say they would never do that. But, but the guy you know, he, who, who I spoke with said no, we don't do that. And I tried many times actually. I called three or four times over the course of maybe almost two years to see if Microsoft would do something similar. Because for me, Sony had set a precedent. Right. And, and Microsoft wasn't willing to do that. And Sony also... Their online was free for the entire generation of the PlayStation 3. Um, and for Xbox, it was $50 to play online. Like, not only did I have to buy the system and pay for internet and buy the game, I also had to pay for the, for the added uh, feature of actually using all of those things in tandem. Right. And that, again, it's the comparison, right? So Sony's not charging me, but you are. And then so, uh, Microsoft went and, and raised it $10 without any added features that I could see. So that, that bugged me. So that didn't entice me to really uh, continue with, um, with Microsoft. So recently, um, when the PS4 announcement came, I finally just got rid of my bricked 360 and uh, traded it in and, and got a PS Vita. And it was, again, those little things, I felt, I felt like, wow, like I bought uh, Xbox 360 on day one. I had um, I bought the old green Halo edition of the original Xbox uh, when Halo Two came out. Like I was I was a fan. I was invested, and and I guess we care about these companies and we care about these brands and we are we feel like we're a part of this group and we have this identity. So I felt like one one group was was treating me better than the other. One company was treating me better than the other, and that's my issue. It's not it's not too bad but that's that's how i felt and going into this generation i was open-minded but it was like oh microsoft not again i'm not letting you do this to me again <laughs> little ptsd there a little yeah yeah so so i said no and then i, I printed my ps4 and 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 this is something that you mentioned uh, briefly before it's it's the community also so over the years it just so happened that everybody that i met with the exception of you <laughs> was uh, mostly uh, had a PS3 and mostly played on PS3 for the same reasons like they were all they were all older and they thought well why if I don't have to pay for online why would I why would I get an Xbox and I don't know and they wanted their Blu-ray player or whatever and so I I I got this group of friends and they all played on PlayStation and not on Xbox and and so I'm moving with that group of people right that ecosystem I'm used to it and and unfortunately like I said two systems coming out the same month um I'm not going to spend a grand on two consoles and I had to make a choice. So I chose um, Sony. And on that note, I also, just in general, maybe maybe I'm biased, right? So there, there's my context and maybe I'm biased, but I felt that Sony won E3, okay? So I want to know what you think because every year people talk about, so who won E3? And usually there's three companies and this year Nintendo really didn't participate in the big, in, in, in the grandness of it. So, 
every year people ask the question, who do you think won E3? So to me, it was hands down um, PlayStation. I am a little biased, but overall, I thought that, again, their PR move and the way they reacted to everything that, that Microsoft did, I think they won. So overall, um, what was your opinion of, of E3? Oh, you're putting me in a position here. <laughs> you don't have to answer. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain where I sit. I agree with you. I think that PR-wise, Sony definitely won E3 hands down. I, I can't really argue that at all. I, I, uh, I said at the beginning, and I still hold to the idea that Microsoft, unfortunately, played a very poor PR game there. They, they there were a lot of ways to, um, I think, talk their system around some of the concerns that were being listed, and they just. They just didn't do it, <laughs> and I, d- I don't know the logic with that. So um, I do have to agree that um, I think Sony won from a PR perspective. Now I'm going to divide my answer and say, though, that what I'm excited about most um, is what... This is I- what we do on this show now. We, we split things up into multiple categories, so yeah. you can you can yeah. rate it um, win or lose on 10 different categories if you want. Go for no, it. So I'm, I'm going to stick to two. <laughs> this time okay. but yeah so from a from a pr perspective from a marketing standpoint i think sony won very easily um from a what i'm most excited about though perspective um it's why i put my money down on an xbox one as soon as they came out and so um even though the systems there's a lot of games that are coming out uh for both systems and so i could really be swayed one way or the other a lot of the community features and um some of the exclusives that i was most impressed with um sat with the xbox and so that's what kept me um you know with xbox as my primary system so um and it's just you know that's that's where my um you know that's why that's that's where my my money went as it were that's where i voted so so that's what i that's that's what i think about e3 this year that's valid yeah and for and games wise of course that, that influences in my decision and microsoft had a lot of good games um nintendo had a few good games um but overall i i guess uh, i don't know a lot of what they showed at um sony you know considering what they showed at the show so, some of those shows some of those games are actually going to be on both systems but a lot of the exclusives i really really like the studios that that sony has and they even had this one part where they had all of these indie developers playing their playing multiple games all at the same time i don't remember how many there were and the independent games that have been coming out on Sony, um, a few have come out on on Xbox too that have been really good, but the just the ones that have come out on on Sony these past years, I just I love them and and to think that they're really encouraging that, which Microsoft is kind of not doing, right. um, but the fact that Sony is doing that and and really showcasing them and telling us that listen a lot a lot more games small indie games are going to come out that has me really excited too. Sure. So the idea that I can have a $10 game that I absolutely love, like this year a game came out called Guacamole, and it's it's a fantastic game, and it was $10, $15, and just to think that those games like that can compete for, for people's interest with the $60 Titanfalls and Halos um, is, is exciting, and to think that a lot of those are coming on Sony, uh, PlayStation 4, I'm, I'm happy about that. So for games-wise, too, I think I'm voting for... Just Sony overall. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, the indie games are something that I've grown to uh, um, really respect a lot over the years. And, and um, 
and I, I am impressed with what Sony's decided to do with that. I, I hope that Microsoft really does make a shift because they had a lot of that that space with Xbox Live Arcade at first, and um, I don't know what the shift has become with that. But I'm I'm hopeful that we, uh, you know, on the Xbox side, will continue to get some good some good indie games out there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I think I think we we the show didn't go exactly how I, I planned it. We we've gone different directions and on quite a few tangents but overall we 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 talked video games we talked it got personal yes yes indeed <laughs> and and um but yeah but i think uh i said everything i needed to say about about e3 yes um and i answered the, i think i answered the question although not in the order that i wanted i wanted to talk about e3 ask who who do you thought won and then why why do we care Right. Do you think we answered that question, why we care about these systems and these games and why we care who won or lost? I think, I think we said it um, a couple of different ways, really. I don't think we answered the question directly, but I think it really does tie into that idea that we had, we had described about our, our passions um, with, with these systems. You know, we really have our camps that we buy into and we care because we, we're emotionally invested in this product. You know, it's, it's not just a game. It is really a part of... Um, you know who we are as people. Um, so yeah, that's that's why it's important. That's why I keep tuning in every year to see what what new is coming out this year um, for my system of choice, as it were. And again, this year, uh, this generation is going to be really exciting. Both systems are extremely powerful, but they're both doing things very, very, very differently. Yeah. And they're putting all those resources and assets into completely different areas. So I think for the first time, there will be like the dividing lines will have to be will be much more much clearer. I think those ecosystems are going to be even more fleshed out now. Those communities are going to be closer knit and the technology is just going to do things one way or the other and people will have a preference. Just like they have a preference for an iPhone or an Android phone. Um, right. There are real reasons why you would want one uh, over the other and they have a lot to do with personal preference. And this new generation is going to capitalize on that. Yes, I would agree with you. All right, so Steve, thanks for coming on the show and talking E3 and talking games. Um, I'm glad. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. And uh, so how can people contact you or learn more about you? Or feed, feed horrible, horrible negativity into your Twitter feed? <laughs> yeah, they, they can certainly do that. That's an option. So they can, uh, that's, I think, where I have most of my interaction is you can look me up on, uh, on Twitter. I'm at Steve Agorn, S-T-E-V-A-G-O-R-N. Um, you can check out my webpage. It's uh, Um I have a Facebook page that's linked to that as well, and certainly my LinkedIn page. But the Twitter and the um, the webpage are probably the best two ways to see what I'm up to. And um, a lot of the stuff that we'll talk about, we'll we'll try to put links to either videos or articles on on E3 and the different stuff that we talked about. Great. And for more on Geek Therapy, you can go to geektherapy.com or follow us on Twitter at Geek Therapy. Thank you.